Hello, I'm Andrew Suskind, and I'm a psychotherapist and author based on the west side of Los Angeles since 1992, specializing in trauma and addictive compulsive behaviors. Welcome to my podcast, named after my recent book, It's Not About the Sex. Here we have honest conversations related to compulsive sexual behavior and trauma, all from a sexual health perspective. Our intention is to offer fresh viewpoints and practical strategies toward establishing greater intimacy and a more deeply connected life. Let's begin. Dr. Carlos Canales is a licensed clinical psychologist, certified group psychotherapist, and somatic experiencing practitioner. He received his doctoral degree from Rosemead School of Psychology in 2007. He is fluent in psychodynamic, gestalt, somatic experiencing, and attachment-focused psychotherapy. During his career, he has worked at multiple settings, including university counseling centers, community mental health centers, and hospitals. He opened his private practice in 2011 and founded Vita Psychotherapy, an outpatient clinic in West Des Moines, Iowa. Dr. Canales is bilingual and bicultural, and he is a member of several professional organizations, including the American Group Psychotherapy Association, of which he is a fellow. So welcome, Carlos. I'm so glad you could be with us this morning. Thank you. Super excited. You know, it, it's interesting. You're, you're actually, I was thinking about this, the first person from Iowa that is joining us on our podcast. So that, that's, that's a, a very big honor. I want you to know that for, uh-huh. for both of us, maybe. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not surprised. I was such a flyover state in many ways, but, um, but it's also charming and beautiful. And, and um, so I'm, I'm pleased to live here and I hear very frequently you're from where? Ohio? Originally, right, <laughs> right. Ohio, right. Ohio, Minnesota, Minnesota. Nebraska. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yes. Yeah. But you guys have the Iowa State Fair. That's right. You yeah. have the Iowa caucuses. That's right. We and, have and ways have, to show up. And you have wonderful academic institutions. Not everybody knows that. So That's right. That's right. Yeah. Going is good. Yeah. Well, thanks for noticing. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I do my homework. Yeah, very good. So again, I'm so glad you could be with us. And I was reading some of the notes that you shared with me. And one of the things that you said was that you were your your attention was brought to the idea of how on our podcast, there's an intention to inspire those in, in long-term recovery. And I love what you said in response to that. I'll, I'll read it. It says, I want to talk about the many necessary recoveries every person needs to engage in well-being. And I thought that was beautifully put. Can you share a little bit more about what you mean by that? Yeah. You know, everyone who uh, studies psychotherapy, it's in recovery from their families in some ways, is, is paying attention to how their life history has introduced them to suffering of some form that they want to alleviate. And uh, so, so for me, um, the, 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 my first marker, my first awareness of what I needed to like recover or make better sense of was my transition to the U.S. 
when I came and I was 16 and I had very broken English, almost no English. And and it, and it left a mark, right? Like the, the, the overcoming of this experience. And it shows up here and there. And I need to recover from, from that overwhelming and also transformative moment. And, and later in my life, I look back into what was it like to live with my family now that I'm in a different environment? You know, what were the pluses and minuses and what tendencies was I left with that are so important to me, that I speak to my attachment to, to them, to the geography, the culture, the, the food, and, and how do I make it here distant from them? That's a different kind of recovery, right? And, and my, um, my attractions to certain affects, right? Certain uh, pools of emotions. I have to always be visiting that kind of uh, mindset that can steal me. So, so I think that the recovery community has something to point to whenever they speak about recovery and says, hey, where it's substances or processes or behaviors. But I think all of humanity needs to make sense and address, you know, where do they tend to go and where their best self lives. Mm. Yeah. Where the best self lives. That's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So you mentioned coming to the US. What country did you come from? So I came from Peru. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I knew that. I just wanted our listeners to, to know. <laughs> yeah, I, I came to from Peru. And, and this is another, so Peru, like the U.S., you know, has its, uh, its regions, coastal, mountain, jungle, the north, the center, the south. And so I was, I was born in a mountainy place, uh, very unlike Iowa, big Andes. And I was born in a place that had a lot of history in regards to Inca tradition, in, in regards to ancestry. And so, and so then, uh, you know, all of us have so many parts to ourselves that show up. So even as you uh, bring this up, I, I, it just shows up in a, and how do I use this again in the pursuit of my better self, you know? Sure. Yeah, and <clears throat> excuse me. Along those lines, what what do you mean by the complexity of life or the complexity of living? Well, that that is the uh, in, in some ways, what do we need in order to live well? Well, some people might say good nutrition. Uh, some people might say get enough rest, be surrounded by friends. Like the, the the ingredients of good living is not terribly exhausting and, and maybe universal. But it so turns out that everybody's life is worth a novel. It's populated by good characters and bad characters and tragic circumstances and and uh, and, and I may even add individual personal ambitions. And and so the tapestry of anyone's life becomes so incredibly populated by many, many invitations. And, um, and I think that is attending to those invitations and learning to discern 
this, not that, how much of this, how much of that, with whom is um, it's enormous. It's very complex. And I don't think it's meant to be resolved alone, right? It's, it's meant to be resolved just in this conversation, how our lives are enriched, our experience, our emotional experience, hearing your soothing voice and receiving your eyes and your attention just settles my excitement to be in your podcast, but, but also invites more flavors and more complexity and, and what to do with that. Right. And, and if I can add to that, there's, there's something about the curiosity and the wonder really of, of life in a way and, and how it's not a finite process that we're talking about. It's a lifelong, I don't know if the word is lifestyle, but it's, it's an, a desire to, to grow. That's right. It's, it's so important. The, the word curiosity is often used in psychotherapy because we want people to be in the seeking world, like to, to be curious, to be open, to sniff. But, but very quickly, uh, I want curiosity to be, to be even more so cognitive or experiential. How much juice do I want? How close should I get to Andrew? You know, and, and <laughs> allow myself to you know, yeah. bring my senses in and really have an experience, right? With, with everything. I, I went for a run this morning and I thought that would be better than coffee. And, <laughs> and in Iowa, there is this changes of seasons that are so marked, right? So all, everything is starting to become green and you get a sense of the birds and the expansive skies. And I was like, for a, for a second, I'm so blessed. Can I soak mm. that up? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So and so, but it, but it's only a second. It's gonna pass, because then I gotta get to work and get the kids to school and all of that, right? Like so, so the, the life is complex in the in the in the how much do we give ourselves to various things? Yeah. And in that moment, if we can hold that idea. I, I hear that there's something about savoring the moments, mm -hmm. something about giving ourselves that larger awareness of, of what really touches us, maybe That's touches right. our heart, our soul. Right. And, and also how to build new neural pathways based on that, the experiential. That's right. So, so I think what, what you're really um, pointing to, which is really in this next idea that you brought up here is what are the universal dynamics that require us to address or to recover from? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, uh, to, to even tap in a little bit to this experience of running this morning and noticing a cardinal or noticing a tree and, and the leaves that are about to come or, um, in Spanish, there is two words for knowing. Uh, there is saber, which is connected to savory, and conocer, which has more of a, a cognitive, uh, you know, the, in fact, the, the, the word cognition comes from that root as mm. well. Mm. And, and so there is, there is something about uh, knowing in the, in the moment savoring, bringing your senses, becoming alive to that moment. But I also know 
that if I look, because I've looked many times, that this will be good for me. So, so I think something about the universal dynamics is this, this relationship between uh, me in the experience and me and my supposed long-term emotional life. Mm -hmm. it is is what comes to mind is that that we have our eyes open or closed mm. uh, because we have habits of what we see and what we don't see mm. and and so you 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 really need to become aware as to what those habits are and give yourself opportunities to open or close them more intentionally Mm -hmm. right like, and do the automatic right Be, bring your intention and your will and your heart and your community around what is it that you value and what is it that you want to make sense of so uh we we <clears throat> get signals from from inside and sometimes from my world as to what feels more right or more whole or more expansive or more constructive. Right? I was, um, I've become aware that there was this uh, family that immigrated and, and they were placed in a, in a little scam. Uh, and the wife is now cleaning houses, their paperwork is, is, is getting done, but the husband is without work. And he says, I can do anything. Give me work. I can do anything. And, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm busy, I'm busy with my kids, I'm busy with my practice and, and all the things. But last night I resolved, well, what are the things that I would pay for that I would like to do in my house, but I could pay for and be done. And I resolved that moment and I called him and I said, would you be willing to do this? And he says, and more. Mm -hmm. But then I called a friend and I said, what do you need done in your house? There's, I know somebody who need, would like a job. And and uh, and that's gonna be your your birthday present, <laughs> and uh, and and so somehow as I went to bed, I realized I did something new, and I think it's good, and let me feel into that. That that I'm actually benefiting from mm. from this good thing, and being able to open my eyes or open my heart to experience the good that I can create or that can happen around me. Mm -hmm. I can feel more loved. Mm -hmm. Morning, I woke up and I was like, what should I make for his dinner? Like mm -hmm. he's in some ways he's working for me, but in some ways he is my guest of goodness. Right. And so anyways, I, I think there are universal dynamics that happen because of our habits. And we can tweak them. We can create those new pathways. Mm. And I think as we share what we're tweaking in our lives, our habits, and, and these new possibilities with others, mm -hmm. they will have the possibility of tweaking and telling us what improves them. You know? So it becomes contagious in a sense. It becomes contagious. <clears throat> it becomes contagious. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. also wanted to add that it, it's such a beautiful illustration of, of generosity of spirit mm -hmm. and, and generosity of heart and, and opening your heart to the possibilities. And in turn, you were gr grateful, right? You had that experience of gratitude and were able to soak in that. 
Yeah. And what I didn't realize, a lot of the, I mean, I had a lot of jobs in my house that needed to get done. Mm. I needed to be vulnerable to look at what I needed, right? Like, and, and to open my house, because he's going to stay in my house for a week or a week and a half. And and so to, to help me fix this thing. So I think there is something about, um, I, I guess, bringing people close to you. Mm-hmm. For, for all of this to happen and so and, and negotiating the feelings i think vulnerability is a hard thing for all of us i think perhaps that is one of the universals to answer mm-hmm. the, the earlier question is mm-hmm. is that the more we can allow ourselves to be vulnerable uh the more courageous we become and, and the more we can organize others to us for sure yeah. And and if I can highlight something, because I think this is really vital, I used to think that the goal of long-term sustainable recovery was about having a bigger life, both internally and externally, and opening up in ways that would create new experiences, et cetera. But what I also hear you saying, which is so important, is that it's so important to have choice in that, to know when someone feels safe enough. Yeah, when there's that open heartedness and, and willingness to be vulnerable and that there's no mandate, there's no right or wrong about that. There's no right or wrong, right. We have to go back to um, our capacity, emotional capacity, even for satisfaction, for contentment and, and really work slowly in recognizing, hmm, is this satisfying? It's very much like, when somebody makes, you know, if there is a family meal and, you know, <laughs> I say this because my mom's staying over and every meal that I make, she goes, it's not quite right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and my definition of Peruvian food is if a Peruvian made it, it's Peruvian. Right. And uh-huh. her definition is anyway. So, but, but the, the kicker is noticing, huh, is this satisfying versus does this hit the standard? Right. Is, is, right. This, is this yummy enough? And, uh, and or would I like to improve it? Would I like to improve me? And mm-hmm. give yourself room to, uh, to consider that. So appreciating your emotions and your capacity is so core mm-hmm. to, to universal growth and to this experience of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And noticing that Perhaps a year ago, I didn't have such a capacity, but today I can. Mm-hmm. Incrementally. Yeah, incrementally. Sure. Yeah. What, what, one of the things that uh, I think COVID, COVID did a lot for a lot of people, right? But I, uh, I've heard a lot that people enjoy their relationships, their more intimate relationships, like their homes, the more because they had to be there. So they noticed new things. And so we get back to, life post COVID, like people are going back to their old patterns. And hopefully we won't forget that slowing down, living simpler, you know, paying attention to what's really uh, um, sustaining, nourishing, gratifying, like we really should invest in that. Right. And, And along those lines, knowing what we really want and desire. Right. Right. Sometimes we have to slow down enough in order to really right. listen to that deeper voice within us. Absolutely. And, and I'm, I'm a fan. 
it is so important, almost like 50-50, to spend time with you listening to that inner voice and then share it with somebody. Because when you hear your voice with somebody and allow some feedback, I think it either concretizes it or you get to see the patterns, the blind spots, right? Like, because something is gained as you assert yourself, as you advocate for what you want, something is gained about that contact with the environment. Mm -hmm, For sure. So you mentioned emotions a moment ago, and I'm, I'm wondering if you could expand on what, what really is the role of emotions in all of this? Yeah, my, my goodness, it's so <laughs> large. Uh, I, I sometimes consider emotions like the, the initiation to spirituality, because when we are born, we, we require so much from our caregivers. We're so dependent from them. And, and we might have like a sensory emotional awareness something is either pleasurable or not pleasurable like mom or dad they're with me i'm fed pleasurable i'm good and well satisfied but when they're not around any noise can freak me out and it's not pleasurable and i don't know that i'm scared yet i just know that there is some startle or some shock or some threat around me and so ever since then the more we develop the more we compose emotional understanding about the world. And that has limitations, but it has a lot of potential. And we spend our lives managing what is it that we feel to whatever degree. And the more resilient we are, the more we have the capacity to understand that every sadness also involves a value and a joy. That it's hard to just experience sad. The, the, the other side of that coin is I'm sad because I loved, I'm sad because I lost, I'm sad because because I um, have so, some connection to, mm-hmm. to an experience. And so I think the, the role of emotions is so crucial because emotions sometimes tie us to patterns and tie us to unhealthy patterns <clears throat> that that we have to solve the emotion or the attachment to that so that we can let go and become freer or we can have more choice. So emotions are, are key and, uh, and we can have feelings for us and feelings towards somebody else. Uh, and, and those are differently organized at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so I think much of life is about emotional intelligence rather than resolving problems or making decisions yeah taking this a bit further with regards to recovery how much should we attend to our mind versus our bodies ah that's that's very good i think most of life you know ever ever since you join a school they teach you what two plus two is and they teach you what the capital of france is and they want you to memorize certain things and they want you to have formulas and solve problems. And, and so there is this aspect of knowing or the intellect that is very much like, hey, what are you going to be when you grow up? Mm-hmm. It's all, how are you going to distinguish yourself? So our minds are enriched mostly in the cognitive side, less so, much less so in the emotional side. Mm-hmm. I think education should have every year 
you know, a, a class just like math on emotions and how you're mm -hmm. growing that way, how you're maturing that way, which is also part of our minds. Uh, I, I, I place it together. Now, what supports both is our body. That, that when we're born, and this is a quote from Freud, is that, you know, first and foremost, we are a body, we're a skin. The, the ego, first of all, first and foremost, is a skin ego, meaning everything that I experience has some representation in our body. And, we be, and it begins to inform the brain about how we're living. Are we cold? Are we hungry? Are we missing something? Are we supported? Are we safe? It informs the brain as to like what it might do, what meaning it might give it. Mm -hmm. you know? and, and I think that to the degree that we neglect the body, we just, we're in Zoom all the time. We're like, we're just heads. <laughs> Talking heads. Talking heads, <laughs> right. Antonio Damasio uh, spoke about you know, when did, he's, he, he has a book called uh, Feeling and Knowing. And he talks about like bacteria and how they organized as beings without a brain, right? Like, uh, and so apparently the history of civilizations is 3 billion years old and they have cultures and they get together and they live and die. And, and it's only 500 million years old that first nervous systems were developed. Of course, that's a long time, but not compared to, you know, 3 trillion or so. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and he postulates that our nervous system, our brains and spinal cords are not the bosses in life, that they were created to make sense of the wisdom of the body mm. and all that happens there, that, mm -hmm. that you know, that, that we're actually uh, subcontracting so that it's better organized that way. And mm -hmm. that's not how, what I learned in school. What I learned in school is like the brain and spinal cord, that's like, almost like the most important organ. But, but what we're learning about the body is that there is such an arrangement that the breathing system, the cardio system, the hormonal system, that they're all gonna kind of come together, give me a, a much more integrated holistic life. And so not paying attention to the body is ignoring some of your innate, very core to you spirit, you know? And, and so it's strange to talk about the spirit of the body, right? Uh, but, but, I, but I do think that in, in some ways, like it helps us put our feet on the ground and, and be in touch with our animal spirit, so universal. You, you use the term animal spirit. And I wonder if, because of your background being from Peru, if, if that influences your own worldview, your own way of looking at, at uh, human suffering, human growing, et cetera? Wonderful question. Well, absolutely. I, I grew up in Cusco as the capital of the Incas empire, and we would climb a mountain and, and let's say, see the flight of a condor. And, it, and it was not unusual that people would talk about the spirit of the condor. Can you interact with it? Mm. And so a bit of a mystic at heart uh, or the spirit of a particular mountain. And I, I would have a relative pass 
and my grandma would hear the barking of the dogs and she would know something. And, and she would talk to me about what was happening. So my mind, as scientific as I wanted to be, <laughs> has this reverence for this, I don't know, maybe even quantum world in which um, we're so connected with the rest of humanity and the rest of nature and we're connected with with our geography in ways that we tend to not speak about but it is our body i think the point of connection that that the that as as nerve endings populate your gut they inform you at a, at a gut level what is taking place and so so i actually want to train more in reading my body better and honoring its messages. Mm -hmm. yeah. Sure. Yeah. So let's say a client comes in to see you and, and they say, Carlos, I, I've been in recovery, whatever that recovery might be. I've been in recovery for several years mm -hmm. and I'm still not feeling especially optimistic or inspired. Mm -hmm. um, I know that there's got to be more to this life of ours, but I don't know where to start. How, how might you respond to someone like that? Well, I, I, again, the word inspired, there is something you're seeking. And there is something that you want to experience. And, and so I, I hop already at the um, resilience you've been looking for so long and you know there is more. I, I, I would invite a person to connect with, you know, you might not think of yourself as spiritual in some ways, but you're living by that kind of faith. And, and, mm. and I'm interested in walking along with you about that and breaking it down from whatever inspiration they've composed, whatever monument of inspiration they've composed in their minds, I want to bring it down to decimal units that can be more satisfying where the inspiration can become more concretized. Mm -hmm. right? And so I, th I think um, when we look at dreams or different ideas of success, you know, even if we think that can easily be done, uh, there is so many details to be felt, to be um, to be acknowledged, to, to be experienced. Um, and and so what I would say to this person is like, I'm so glad you're seeking. This is an aspect of of humans that is also undermined. That your seeking tells me that that uh, we're going to be in a journey together to to pursue to address what is it that you're seeking and to see when do we approximate to mm -hmm. that. And also what you might need to let go. Sometimes we don't find because we are, uh, we, we might not be using a particular substance or engaging with a particular group of friends or, or dynamics, uh, but we haven't taken steps in another direction that sometimes in recovery was like, if, I'm not doing this anymore, so why don't mm -hmm. I feel happy? Well, uh, there, there is more to be pursued than to mm -hmm. just not do. Once again, I just want to state the obvious that I think you're talking about the therapeutic relationship. Yes. And you're talking about walking beside your client 
sometimes I say that I'll walk beside you. Sometimes I might walk behind you sometimes, but I'll never walk in front of you. Uh-huh. And, and that um, there's something really powerful about that yeah. validation of seeking that if somebody comes in that courage, that vulnerability to come into our offices is really that, that um, experience of saying, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really desiring something different. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it it can be. I I would I would just tweak this as a difference. I I don't know what it means to walk in front, but when the client comes to your office, I think there is a fantasy that you figure out how to be more satisfied in this uh, particular life, right? Like or, or life situation, and that's a form of walking ahead. Right, mm-hmm. it's quite the blind leading leading the blind, uh, right? That 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 you have some um, alternatives. You trust the process. You, you that there is. Um, I I don't mind because I I'm prone to admiration. Mm. Like all of my friends, I admire not just my mentors. Mm. The requirement of being my friend, and that in some ways, in the area that I admire, they are ahead of me. And and so, so I I would uh, to, to the inspire person. I would also might use the fantasies that they might have about how I am ahead, and perhaps I am. Uh, but 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 take it out. And, and there is a follow me apprentice mentor possibility that can also live. So, anyways, that would be my only uh, tweak. Uh, yeah. No, I, I I appreciate that and. Unfortunately, we're we're actually almost out of our time today, and and I have a, a question that I, I like to ask because this is a way to summarize a little bit. Yeah. If there was one or two things that you would really like our listeners to take from our discussion today, what what would be most important? I I want to undo some of the biases that I sometimes hear about recovery that those who are in recovery have messed up and they have to recover, you know, to, to put it simply. And I, and I just want to suggest that nobody gets it right on the first go and sometimes on the 100th go. And, and much of life is actually about this improving where we were yesterday, right? And, and the second part is, um, sometimes I'm not kind to myself when, I, when something doesn't happen, right? Like, and, and, but breaking it down into like capacities or decimals or, hey, what feeling might, might be getting in the way from, you know, um, what habits, uh, uh, I had to fix something in the door and I realized, and how often do I hold a screwdriver? Not very often. So my fingers sometimes don't know what to do with screws and screwdrivers. They're like clumsy. And do I have not just compassion, but just a basic acceptance? This is not what I do. So why mm-hmm. am I being so hard? What, you know? Uh, so, so anyway, so there is, there is this other side of like capacities and emotions that I, uh, have to make sense of this is part of the complexity of life it's not just did you fix the door right 
And there's a self-compassion piece in what you said. And there's that acceptance piece, which is yeah. a big part of formal 12-step recovery. That's right. So I, I love the image of, of the screwdriver and the, and the uh, screw because, yeah, our, our hands just may not be familiar recently with right. that experience. So we are going to be a bit awkward. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So those, are the, those would be the two things. And also, one, a third thing, Please. how fun it is to be in conversation with mm. a fellow traveler. Like, it's so mm. good to uh, uh, receive someone interest. I mean, this is the, the metaphor for being in therapy and in counseling is that, that somebody's interested in your thoughts. Yum. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And oftentimes it's what we didn't get as a kid or the gaps that were existing as a kid. Exactly. And I agree, it doesn't matter whether it's you and I speaking right now or um, a mentor or apprentice relationship or, or two friends just sitting down over coffee. It's, it's a beautiful thing. That's right. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Carlos. I so appreciate you being here with us today. And if it's okay, I would love to invite you back at some point because I feel like we just started a conversation today. So it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, same for me. Invite me anytime. I look forward to it. Thanks for listening today. It was so wonderful sharing this time with my colleague and friend, Dr. Carlos Canales, and discussing this really significant topic, moving from suffering to savoring. Dr. Canales can be reached through his website at vidapsychotherapy.com, and that's V-I-D-A, Vida Psychotherapy. If you're so inclined, please give us a five-star rating and be sure to subscribe and share my podcast with those who may benefit. I look forward to you joining us the next time and don't forget to stay connected.